0: What does it mean to master the game of life? Like any game, it requires a fundamental understanding and application of the rules. But living in today's on-demand society is making this nearly impossible as our attention is increasingly being fought over and monetized by others. Will Moore's mission is to help you hit the reset button by providing a new set of game rules based on time-proven universal principles in modern science. To gamify your life by making fun and addictive to replace your habits, in the five core areas of your life, proven to lead to true happiness. Ready, player one. Hello, people. Uh, welcome. A little bit late today. Got stuck on a call. My guest has been so unbelievably super patient, and I'm really appreciative. So we're gonna get right to the juice today. He's got. He's only got a half an hour, but that's okay because we can just really focus on. I think the things that you guys want to hear. That's important. Get some personal insights and stories from him that tie to habits and gamifying them and all the goodies that go along with it. Hey there. What's happening? How hey man, I'm it? so sorry, dude. You're the best. You're the best guest ever for being patient. I got you. All right. Well, I appreciate it. I got stuck. So let's go right into it. First of all, thank you for being on the show. I love your book, Playful Rebellion. It's all about maintaining playfulness, workplace, fun, habits. That's everything I'm about. You're focusing more on the workplace aspect. Without me going on, why don't you tell us a little bit about this, the impetus, where it came from and, you know, what you're doing with it. Yeah.
1: So yeah, my book about the playful rebellion is all about how we can change the status quo at work so that we can live our best lives. It stemmed from the fact where I found myself and on paper, what I thought was the job of my dreams, but I was burning myself out time and time again. And I thought that was what it's all about, right? We can sleep when we're dead. We need to you know, hustle and grind. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with hard work. But I found that I was never getting a chance to really have that joy. And I realized uh, after I took an improv class, I'm like, wow, things can be different. We don't have to sacrifice ourselves for that job. We can play. In the book, I talk about how you can be playful and play while still getting work done and, and shifting yeah. our mindset to seeing the world as a playground rather than a proving ground where we are ongoing proving ourselves to the people we're working with and everyone else that we are worthy. So that's like the book. It's a little bit more, plus, as you mentioned, actionable things where you can help shift your mindset so that you can utilize the power of play to get more done, have more fun and, and be your true self.
0: Yeah, I mean, so let's dive right into it because I love, love, love the concept. As you know, everything I'm doing is about gamifying, making it fun and playful, reducing the friction, looking at changing your mindset to look at the world as a game so that it doesn't seem so intimidating, all these things. So I'd love to go right into some of the actual recommendations, habits, things that you help people with. Is that something we can get into? Get your seatbelts on. Yeah,
1: let's dive on in.
0: Okay, so yeah, let's party. Let's get do into it. Let's get to the juice because what I've realized and what I try to do on these shows is people really want to hear about the stuff that's going to, it's like everybody's got a selfish motive, right? They're listening, not for puppy dogs and ice cream, but I've got a pain point and I want it solved. So let's get into the pain points and let's solve them. Let's do it.
1: All right, cool. All right, first pain point, And I like to say it's a myth. Most of the people, they have this myth that work and play don't mix. Um, You had an amazing author on your show and that's how we got introduced, Mike Rucker, where he was talking about the fun habit. And we share a similar mindset that if you have a playful mindset, you actually can get more done. And all of this stems from sort of old regime of, hey, you can only play when the work is done, play is seen as a frivolous thing that only kids do. But there's a lot of research that shows that When you have a playful mindset, you not only get into the work faster, but you're more engaged, you retain information longer and you're more productive. So how does that work? How can you shift your mindset? Especially if you're the type like me that subscribed to the, oh no, 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 I don't deserve to play. And so I like to tell people similar to the work that you do, let's gamify this. Let's do it in small doses so that you can quickly see what's up. So as you're the type that are eating, your lunch at your desk, or working for twelve plus hours, and then by the time you get home, you're completely spent. This is for you. I show like play as a form of rejuvenation. As humans, we're bad at understanding. All right, have I done enough work? Should I take a break? To be honest, if we were left up to our own devices and we didn't have intervention, we would probably work ourselves a death. Let, let's just be honest. Um, and it's just because at the end of the day, you know, we want to do a good job. We have bills to pay. Um, We're probably working in our careers. Uh, We want to do good work, but we don't know when to stop. And so my advice to uh, most people is I call them sort of uh, rebellious actions because, again, my books all about the playful rebellion. And in order to get this life, you have to rebel against our old way of doing. So easiest thing is put time in your calendar. Again, I live and die by my calendar. If it's not in the calendar, it, it doesn't get done. And so what we can do is five, 10 minutes, put them after important in parts of your day, maybe after long meetings, put those times in your calendar. And what do you do during that time? Well, don't check social media. That's the first thing. Don't check email. All of those things will keep you in that perpetual cycle. Uh, you're not going right. to get the benefits. You're not going to rejuvenate your mind so that you can jump back into the work. What can you do that's going to bring you joy? I like to say, create a playlist. um, And in that playlist, what are things that you can do in short time periods that, boom, I got this break. Gary said I need to do something quote-unquote playful. All right, let me turn to the list. And it could be anything as simple as, if you like music, all right, do your favorite jams. Turn it on, step away from the computer, and uh, dance it out. Or a friend of mine, he likes to do burpees. I'm not a burpees fan, but again, now we're killing two birds with one stone. Yeah, habit health. stacking. Yeah, yeah, we're getting our physical health in check, and we're actually stepping away the work. Uh, but whatever is going to bring you joy, uh, for me, I personally, within an arm's reach, um, have Legos that I can grab, and then I can pull out. And for me, after a long meeting, I'll just put on some music, and I'll just start tinkering with Legos. I'm not trying to do anything in particular. I'm just... Use that time to sort of uh, decompress, and what's happening under the hood with our brain? We're getting into the default mode, default network of the brain. What happens there? That's where we're accessing creativity. Uh, yeah. That's where our brains connecting the dots, and so that's the first thing. So I want to take a pause and. Uh, If you want to reflect
0: on that, what are you? Yeah, let's pause on that. So I love all this, and I'm taking notes as we're going because I'm going to convert these into show notes and clips. So basically what I'm hearing is proactively making time for play and fun and to remind yourself that life is to be fun. Like when you were a kid, like why does that have to go away? Why does it have to be serious all the time, stressed, dwelling worried about money your weight your looks right and i think by proactively doing this and putting it into your calendar you're using one of these behavioral science principles of making it obvious and making it easy to remind yourself that this is fun and just by doing that because i took this yale happiness course and it talks about this just by actually taking that time and reflecting and ruminating in something that makes you feel good, you're literally spiking your dopamine, not just for the short term, but for long term. Yes, so
1: easiest thing that you can do. And the goal
0: here is don't do it mindlessly, be intentional about
1: it. After you're done, actually take a moment and say, wow, how do you feel? Do you feel more uh, rejuvenated? Do you feel more focused? And then get back into the work and you will find that you were able to get back into that state of flow faster than had you Work through your breaks or was scrolling on social media um, and you were in this sort of passive state. So that's the first tip. The next one, which is something, again, that some people take, and I know people look at this as like a luxury, but my invite to everyone is how can you be creative with this? Um, I was learning about rest. And what I would just talked about is called a micro break, a micro rest. And it's just like for a quick boost. But the other Rest or break that most people don't talk about. It's mezzo, uh, M-E-Z-Z-O. And what that means, that is actually stepping away from your work to do something creative. And it reminds me of uh, Ferris Mueller, how like he had that sort of day where him, Cameron, Simone, they went off and they did all these- The red Yeah,
0: Yeah. we all picture that red car and the slow motion of when the ballet guy's stealing. Whee! (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: They went to a baseball game. They went to the museum. They got out, um, and so yes, they were being rebellious and skipping school, but there's something to that. When you take time away from the work, again, your brain is still working on these challenges. Um, There's research to show they were looking at inventors and how inventors quantify success is the number of patents and inventions that they do. And they found that inventors that had um, hobbies um, outside of their core area of work, they created three times more inventions than inventors who just did the work. And so what we're doing here by having like one of these mezzo days is uh, just giving your brain a chance to just unwind. It's still gonna be working on these challenges. More importantly, you might actually find a connection to solve a challenge that you're dealing with while you're stepping away. Because I like to ask everyone, when you're trying to come up with a big idea, do you normally come up with it doing it or is it
0: in the shower? or on a job or something else. I love that because I think that's so true. If you think that work when you're working is like just, okay, this is what I'm working and when I'm gonna get all my good ideas and I'm gonna get the work done and it's all gonna be during this time, you're crazy. That's not how it works. A lot of our best ideas come when that, like you said, that default part of our brain, that creative part is being active. And ironically, I don't know exactly the science behind this. Maybe you do, but one of the times I find best for that is right when I'm falling asleep. And maybe it's because I'm about to enter into dreamland and my mind is just completely letting go. And it actually kind of drives me nuts, but I've gotten some great ideas from it. So I'm not complaining. I have my phone next to me and I have my to-do list list. Uh, it's an app that I use and, and I'll just go right in and I'll just plug that idea in real quick. And I've gotten pretty good at it to where I can speak into it and just say it real quick because I don't want to disrupt that I'm about to fall asleep, but it's super helpful and neat. And then I wake up and I'm like, oh yeah, that was a good idea. Sometimes the ideas were crap, but a lot of times I implement them into my stuff.
1: Yeah, great points. And yeah, there's just something about when our brain again goes into that default mode. I don't know all the science about like the alpha waves and stuff like that. But the reason why I feel like we don't do this more often is that we have this belief that our value is tied to the time that we spend working, actually actively working on um, the things that we're doing. And that, in my opinion, is not a good way to live. You're going to end up working yourself to death. And so I, I know people watching this may be thinking like, Gary, I, I can't afford to just take Fridays off and go gallivanting around. I hear you. How can we be creative? Maybe three hours on a Friday. And again, I found this all accidental. And then it took years of me doing this and looking back and reflecting like, oh, that's why this is working. And so my mezzo break was at 6 p.m. So I actually left work at a decent time on Mondays. And for two hours, I was completely focused, I was completely present. I was doing these silly games. again, rejuvenated my brain, my spirit, and then I would go uh, back to work the next day and was able to because I'm I'm, I, I'm more focused. and then I found over time, because, like you said, it's something I look forward to. People on Sundays, what are they? They're like, "Oh my God, I have to go to work on Monday." But me, I'm excited because. I have something to look forward to. And then I started bringing some of these uh, games that we were playing back. So if you don't have the liberty to take a full day off, how can you be creative? Maybe it's a few hours at the end of the week. Maybe you schedule something in your calendar, like a sports thing. I know they have like um, co-ed sports and stuff like that, or maybe uh, a pottery class right now. um, And they find that was very meditative and stuff like that. So again, you have to be creative. But the intention here is um, not like,
0: oh, this is a frivolous thing. No, this is actually, you be the best. So, and let's get back. So what did it do? So you took some of those concepts and you took them into the workplace. Let's talk about that and how, like, the actual going to the class. Yeah, so again,
1: this is my local improv uh, theater. I live here in San Diego. Um, My intention was not to, like, be on Saturday Night Live or anything. Matter of fact, my intention, I heard that it can help you increase uh, and be better at public speaking and so uh, that's why I took it Uh, but again your brain's always making connections your brain was working in the background and some of these activities that were helping me personally be um, a better listener I'm like oh this would be great for our team and so like Mm -hmm. I would just bring these games in and as a director um, of a young team I'm at the time was pretty young myself I was always looking for fun things for us to do and right. again, these activities were little play breaks for us, but they had huge ramifications. One, it was creating high levels of psychological safety. So what that means is people felt comfortable being themselves. Uh, the research shows that teams that have high levels of psychological safety end up being higher performers than teams that do not, mm. because they can speak up. Uh, they feel comfortable speaking up without potentially being ridiculed. Um I love that. the other thing is, um, we're in a fun way. We're working on, we're working on um, active listening. We're working on thinking on our feet. And so this is a low stakes environment. And when the stakes were higher, because we, again, we were habit stacking, we were working on these things in the background. We were more likely to um, use this new behavior than if we were to just take a class where we were just
0: actively taking notes. Right. Right. Which makes it really hard because habits are these sticky little fellas that they dig themselves in deep and reading a book or just learning about it once it's not going to stick. Right. It's got to connect. The emotion has to connect. There has to be some sort of deeper connection with the human being and your brain and your brain going, ah, and kind of seeing it in a different way, kind of helping to shift your identity, and your mindset and going, this is cool. And I could do it this way. And then if it's fun, then you're gonna want to do it again, and do it more. And then habits don't care if they're helping or hurting, they are gonna do their thing over time. So then what you're doing is you're replacing that bad habit with a good habit. Okay. So those are two really good examples. I'm taking notes here. Any other examples that you have in the workplace? where yeah. So this is another unpopular opinion. However, it will help
1: grow you personally and then uh, improve connections and whatnot. Celebrate your failures. And you may be like, what? Like, this is a big record ret- ret- scratch. Like, no, what are you talking about, uh, Gary? We don't celebrate failures. We, we hide them under the rug. We don't even wanna talk about failures. Here's the thing, let's go back in time. Let's think about when we were younger and we were like a toddler. I pretend I a six year old and uh, nine month old Our nine month old is in that stage where he's crawling and trying to walk and he's tumbling and falling down and stuff like that. When he does something like seemingly so simple, we celebrate that, he falls down. We celebrate that. We're like, "Oh, good job!" And what's happening is that we're reinforcing, like, "Hey, it's okay." Right. And so, as we get older, we forget about that, and then because we become professionals, and then we forget what it's like to learn. Oftentimes, if we make a mistake, what do we do? are like, "Oh my god, I should have done that!" And then we're filled with shame, and then those those negative hormones that aren't right. conducive to. Right productivity and whatnot so uh, i learned this in improv uh, when we took an improv class anytime anyone made a mistake we all celebrate like hey it's all good and what's happening is that you are conditioning your brain to see those mistakes not as um this big end of the end of the road situation but as little blocks that you're overcoming right on your way to a bigger prize and you talk about this in the work that you do so is part of that mindset shift and so uh, i've seen people have um, at the end of the week, all right, what are our fails? And if you don't have big enough fails, you're not working hard enough. Now, I'm not saying go out and just fail, but we're saying if you're really pushing the boundaries, if you're taking risks, you're going to make mistakes. And then by bringing it together and having, as my friend Brad Montague would say, a failure bration, now you're normalizing failure as part of the process and we're supporting each other. And then you're going to be more likely to like, hey, I made a mistake and you can rectify that faster than other folks who don't have this mindset when they make a mistake and then it just throws their whole
0: day for a loop. It's so true. It's a shift of it's okay to fail and everybody does it. And in fact, if you looked at it in terms of you're going to grow and become a better, happier human being because of it, that's the ultimate goal. And it's extremely difficult, I think, for people to get that, right? people don't understand that the more you fail, the more you learn, the more you learn, the better off you are. And that nobody's perfect. Nobody goes through life without failing. And it's really, it's that elite small teeny percent that secretly are like fail forward, learn to embrace your failures because that's how you're going to get an edge on everybody else because everybody else is just doom and gloom. And, mired in in their failures and trying to sweep it under the rug and avoid them and make themselves look like they're perfect, which nobody wants to see anyway. So they're really, they're just shooting themselves in multiple feet, multiple arms, multiple parts of the body. Whereas like somebody that has that mindset of like, let's go obstacles are temporary roadblocks. I am going to fail forward. There's nothing that can stop me. If I run into something and I Fail. I'm gonna learn from it and then work my way around it and keep going, becoming bigger, better, faster, stronger. Let's party. That's it, right? That's life. That's that's all of it. That's <laughs> it. And it's that simple. And that's all people have to do. But that's really, really hard to do. It's really, really hard to do because we have been programmed, like you said, when we're kids. And I talk about this stuff all the time. I love that you use that analogy because it's so true. When we're kids, we are totally just these like the world is our oyster, not even the sky's the limit. You know, everything we do is like, yes, yes, good, good. And then slowly but surely society starts chipping away. No, you're doing that wrong. You're 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 done and then grades and then oh I didn't get a good grade. I'm a failure. I'm bad. And then a lot of times by the time they reach young adulthood, it's like game over and they feel like they're already just sort of like defeated and, and just kind of treading. The worst thing I feel like can happen to people is they Hover, I call it hover above rock bottom, where they're just sort of not completely at the bottom, but just above it, where they're not experienced all these wonderful, amazing things that life has to offer, but they don't realize that, number one, that they're capable of them, and number two, that that's something that's in their grasp and that they, if they put their mind to it, they could get.
1: Yes, and that is what people like yourself and me, we want to unlock that for people, to <laughs> so let people know that, hey, this right. is something we all have access to. And and this is, again, one of the reasons why I called the book, The Playful Rebellion, is that you could read about it and you're like, oh, that's interesting. But in, in order for you to truly live it and step into it, you have to get past that uh, dissonance. And it right. does require you rebelling against those old beliefs that don't serve you anymore. And I like to say, uh, it's shifting our mindset. Um, I mentioned this earlier, I learned this from my mentor. Her name is Gwen Gordon. Um, You know, she talks about like the different ways that we can see the world. And typically we see the world as a proving ground where we see other folks as competitors. Um, And we're walking through the world trying to prove ourselves. And as a result of doing that, we're going to be prone to overwork. We're going to be prone to not playing. We're going to be like at that state of uh, Adam Grant calls it languishing where it's like we're not in depression, but we're not necessarily thriving. We're just, like you said, hovering over rock bottom. And we just think that's how it should be when in reality is if we can shift our mindset and see the world as a playground, I call it a playground of possibilities where in turn we see just like the work you're doing, like how can we gamify it? where we see these uh, stumbling blocks as obstacles? Because if you're playing a game, any sort of game where there's a video game or sports or something like that, you hit a little blunder. You're not gonna be like, oh, I'm done. Throw in the towel. Right. You look at that like, yeah, I need this. All right, it's gonna, it's gonna help me level up. Like, who would play a video game if there was no obstacles, if there's no challenges? And as soon as you got it, you're like, all right, cool. Yeah, I won. Like, that would be so boring. However, in life, when we're presented with these obstacles, we see it as like, it's the end of the world. I see it as, oh, It's been put there because you want to level up. And
0: in order to level up, you need to overcome some of these things. Oh, you just used my magic term, level up. I love it. Everything you said, I could not agree more. And just kind of talking about the video game stuff. It's so true. That's why I like to compare life to a game, right? Because we get so mired and focusing on the wrong things. I mentioned that Yale happiness course I took and it was, it was not called the Yale happiness course, but that's what it's nicknamed. It was like the science of well-being. But it basically talked about the fact that by the time we get to a certain point, we have these miswantings and we're raving and we're seeking out all of these things that are actually making us less happy, right? And by doing that, we're focusing on these things. We're building our habits around these things. We're taking our actions, our life, Who we are as a person is revolving around these things. And then, duh, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to be where we were just talking about that hovering above rock bottom space. But if you look at life as like, well, I like video games. And in games, if you were to just win in two minutes, it would be boring as hell. Like, what's the fun in that? Like, you got to have challenges. You've got to like lose against the end boss 10 times before you realize, oh, this is how you beat them. Otherwise, it's not fun. And so it's right. Shifting your mindset into that more video game type mentality where life is a game. And if you look at it like a playful journey with obstacles to be conquered and end bosses to be vanquished, then that's what it can be. But it's not easy. You have to train yourself to do it.
1: It takes time. And then the last thing is, who are your allies? Who are the people that you're playing
0: in your corner?
1: And this is what I got from a researcher, uh, Jane McGonigal um, in her book, Super Better. I love Um, her. She, she talks about having those allies that you can turn to that are going to help you power up, that are going to give you those interventions uh, when we're sort of in that stuck, stuck space and bringing it back to work. Some people think like, oh, I need to separate myself. I have my work life and I have my home life. I don't. Those are just those work people. However, there's data to show if you can find a work bestie. I'm not saying that you share everything, but someone that you have as a confidant a colleague that you can really look to to support you you are going to enjoy your job even more you're going to be even more productive and it makes me think back to that old job that I had where I was the director we were one of the largest digital marketing agencies in the world and we had some very tough clients and those tough clients beat us up time and time again and after some of these calls we would support each other we're like all right cool all right let's let's pick it back up it's more about them. It's not us. And I look back on that. If I didn't have that, man, the work would be so rough. So my invite to you is, right. like, who can you turn to? Maybe it's a colleague at work. Maybe it's a friend. But that is your playmate. And my challenge to you is send them a, a funny meme right now. Tell them how much you appreciate them. Because at the end of the day, we have one life. And Bronnie Ware, uh, she was a nurse working in hospice care. She said some of the regrets of the dying is that they regret not letting people
0: know how much they care
1: about them. And it's something that I think
0: about a lot. Well, dude, you just nailed, this was the perfect interview. I'm glad this happened. This was serendipitous. I think I'm going to prep all my guests to be like, look, you have awesome wisdom. Let's just go right into these pain points and how you're helping solve them because you just boom, 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 just went through it, and nailed it. I took some great notes. I'm going to put little clips together. I'm going to focus on the best stuff. This was amazing. Thank you so much, my man. This was was awesome. Thanks, Appreciate Gary. It. All yeah. right. We'll talk soon, bro. All right. Okay. Okay. That's it for the Gamify Your Habits podcast with Will Moore. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to visit moremomentum.com to learn how you
1: can gamify your life.